Hi John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Richard. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Hope you're having a nice weekend. Oh yes. So I am very excited for for today's subject because it's something that's always been on my mind to ask you. Uh, it's your journey of becoming an entrepreneur. Okay. So I'm looking at a lot of uh, anecdotes from you, to be very honest, because every entrepreneur, you know, has a journey full of highs and lows. So I'm going to get started. To begin with, when was the first time you realized that you're going to become an entrepreneur? And that's a very interesting question, Richa. So, you know, uh, so post me, I, uh, as you know, I did my undergrad in computer science, right? and post that I went ahead to do my uh, first job in a large IT company. Um, and uh, unlike many people who come into IT, I, you know, I had uh, gone into IT knowing that, you know, I wanted to become a programmer, and I really enjoyed that journey. However, over the first two years, I realized that uh, uh, my drive to make a difference to things around me was typically higher than people around me. Um, you know, and even when I looked up to my managers, uh, who were idly people who uh, I respected, right? Uh, I felt that uh, you know I would have wanted to do something little more, little extra, and go beyond uh, the usual. Uh, so. With that view in mind, I felt that uh, you know maybe I should study more, or learn something more, uh, and I ended up uh, you know uh, going for my MBA. Um, and uh, as part of the journey of going for my MBA, I think as soon as I landed up on campus, uh, the first thing uh, that attracted me on campus was uh, a talk by one of the professors, which was on entrepreneurship, uh, and that happened in the first week of reaching campus. Uh, and as soon as I heard that talk, you know, I knew that uh, this is probably what I wanted to do. Right. So I think that was probably the moment. Uh, this was way back in 2008 when I first realized that you know this is probably what I wanted to do in my life. That's very interesting because way back in 2008, uh, hardly anybody had heard the word startup. They were they were very very nascent or probably non-existent on the corporate front in the you know in india so let me ask you what was your parents reaction when you said i want to do my own yeah so i already knew typically what reactions would be there uh, from people around me right so um and uh, uh, i did a two-year mba right so i had uh, quite some time to prepare uh, people around me uh, prepare uh, my parents prepare my fiance prepare you know her parents so I had a good amount of, uh, you know, time to slowly work on people and make them come around. Uh, as you rightly mentioned, it was uh, uh, it was like the pre-VC days, right, in India, where True. you hadn't even heard of Flipkart at that point in time. Flipkart was yeah. probably just born somewhere then. Um, so it was a very different world. Uh, and, you know... Uh, typically, you know, your middle class India uh, typically looks as businessmen as crooks, right? True, so true. <laughs> yeah, that's so the that's, that's, perception. Yeah, so that is the world uh, that we were in at that point in time. Uh, and in fact, I had uncles who suggested that, you know, why don't you at least take a job so that you can show people around you that, you know, uh, you didn't end up coming here because you couldn't get a job from campus, right? <laughs> 
yeah so i said no i think i uh, i have probably enough conviction that something will happen uh, mm. and uh, you know i told them that don't worry i think we'll figure it out right uh, and th- and the best part about starting up from campus uh, you know i think mm-hmm. uh, you're hungry and you're foolish right so there's nothing to lose uh, right true. once you get into a job uh, once you start growing up your career ladder you know you become somebody in that company you become somebody for the world around you and sure. you start making money you start spending money um, so your spends go up uh, your responsibilities go up and then it becomes very difficult actually to step out of that and go back into uh, a zero start right uh, so this is actually one of the advice that i got uh, from campus from uh, one of our professors right and i think uh-huh. uh it was great at so he said stay you know start hungry and start foolish right start when you don't have anything to lose right because it's easy to do that right and that's what we ended up yeah. doing as well right so we were able to start the company uh you know uh, back on my campus we got a room with uh, three chairs and one small mm-hmm. i mean we didn't even get a hall uh, room we were actually sitting in a hall for the first three uh first you know year or so um, okay. and we got three three workstations where there was a table and a desk each and of course electricity and internet um and we all brought our own laptops in and then just plugged in and started building right uh, so the good thing about that was you know uh, we hardly had to pay any office rent maybe 1000 rupees a month uh, uh the same professor who encouraged us his name is sunil handa he um you know gave us a home to stay in right so we didn't have to pay any rent uh, for the first year and uh, you know all you need to do was to kind of ensure that you have enough food to get through the day right uh so we actually ended up uh spending only about 70 75000 rupees out of pocket before we hit revenue mm-hmm. right so uh and that is a good thing to do right because we hadn't burned much money uh i think one thing unique to us as entrepreneurs at that point in time was you know uh, two of the three uh, founders at that point in time had student loans right and uh, oh. in fact in india we were we were the first batch which uh where the iim decided that you know uh let's not subsidize uh iim education and uh, our fees were at that point in time were 11 to 12 lakhs and that was unheard of in india at that point in time right uh so we had pretty big emis on our heads uh so that also automatically meant, meant that you know when you start up you try and start up uh with a very low burn uh with a business that doesn't really need to invest heavily uh right yeah. so some of so some of these constraints were the reason why uh, we ended up doing what we did you know um it it is very interesting when you hear a story from any founder Uh, there is this one part of the story which is the actual struggle when you start up and then there is a success story and then there is that gap in between is often where people don't delve in because that is when you sustain which doesn't always have highs and lows it's probably consistent and that's where it tests your true spirit of being an entrepreneur because that gap really doesn't have the necessary drama i want you to take us through that what excites you to become an entrepreneur what keeps yeah, you going so, every day yeah so uh you know uh, i don't know if you know entrepreneurs see it as you know 
a journey where there are no ups and downs right i think it's typically either up or either down right uh, so <laughs> okay. so so i don't know i'm i'm just trying to recollect when when did i ever feel uh, in the last several years that there were no ups and downs i don't think there was really any moment like that right because as an entrepreneur you're always aiming for up uh, and then when the up doesn't happen it's by default down right uh coming to your question on what excited me the most about this yeah uh, i think it's it's uh in a sense about you know giving yourself the power to make a difference mm-hmm. right uh you know so one of my disconnects in a corporate life at that point in time was you know a lot of things that you wanted to do needed approval from someone else right, right. but you you had that conviction that that is the right thing to do right but uh, you didn't have the power to make a difference right you always right. had to keep taking approvals and people would keep giving you one reason or the other why that is you know not going to happen right and i said this doesn't make any sense right if if we have to make something happen we have to make something happen right so this is probably in in a sense a pathway to you know uh, giving myself the power at that point in time to make the difference right um and uh you know uh, giving myself the ownership in terms of if i need to make an idea work uh if i need to make a business work uh you know there are no external constraints right the constraints are not right. internal it's about your ability to uh come up with a good idea your ability to work the bucket make revenue uh, so at least you are not in the situation where you are blaming someone else for something not happening if there's anyone right. to blame you know, it's you right right i think this was this was really exciting for me uh now because in in childhood you know you you think okay how can i make a difference uh so you have paths like you know like an ias career for example a lot of lot of children go for ias to make a difference right mm. a lot of people climb up a corporate ladder to try and go into a senior position to make a difference mm-hmm. right um and this is yet another way of making a difference right so i felt this is probably uh the fastest route um and you can at least know for yourself whether uh something didn't happen because the constraint was within you uh rather than you having to blame someone else right john tell me uh who were your early childhood influences that uh, shaped your thinking because entrepreneurship is also uh, heavily dependent on how one thinks because that's where you know that's the start of a venture so who influenced you in your childhood yeah so i think early childhood is uh, you know uh, my early childhood was mostly spent with family right so my dad and mom uh, were obviously two very very key influences mm-hmm. um and the funny part was they were both uh, very very contrasting personalities right <laughs> you, you you take any issue and they both have absolutely opposing views to that issue <laughs> right um so uh, i would always so that helped me because you know uh, i realized that there is no one way to look at any any issue right and uh, these two characters had very very contrasting views right so for example my mom was uh, very very religious and my mom uh, my dad was you know exactly the opposite right oh okay uh, interesting yeah so my mom believed in prayer and you know the church and religion as an institution and my dad was very very happy go lucky right he never never bothered about that at all 
Right. Uh, so I think what I liked about my dad was in terms of, you know, I think uh, he was someone who was able to go down to first principles for a lot of things. Right. So in terms mm-hmm. of how things work around you. Um, and when I was very young, he would uh, just tell me, he would take something and ask me, you know, how do you think this works? Right. For example, how do you think a motorcycle works? Right. And then he would explain that to me in a very, very simple language. And a few years later, when I actually studied in my textbooks, uh, I would be like, hey, this in my textbooks, it sounds a lot more complex than the way he explained it to me. Right. And after some time, I realized that it's mm. it's not really that complex, right? For some reason, uh, the education system makes things look complex to you. Uh, but actually, it's not that complex, right? So uh, he kind of helped me understand how to maybe look at a particular solu- problem and break it down, right? Or look at something around you and understand how it works in a very, very simple way. Um, and uh, the other very powerful personality trait about him was... Uh, you know, he was absolutely okay disagreeing with a hundred other people in the room, right? Wow. And that's, I think, a very, very rare quality, right? Your ability to just, if you think that, you know, that if you have, if you have conviction that this is how it is, right? Or if you have conviction in a particular point of view, uh, you know, have that conviction and keep moving, right? You don't need a hundred other people to agree with you. You don't need anyone else to agree with you, right? So I think, you know, he had a very bold and questioning nature on things around you. Um, At the same time, uh, when, if he ever realized that his point of view was not correct, you know, he would also be okay flipping to the other side. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, I think from that I learned in a sense that, you know, how do you keep yourself or your point of view aside and how do you Maybe look look at things from a very external point of view. Look at things from a very fresh perspective, and still, uh, and not get influenced uh, by something just because twenty other people around you are saying something. Right? Mm-hmm. Have your original way of thinking. So that is my dad. My mom, on the other hand, was exactly the opposite. Right? So she really believed in institutions. So she believed mm-hmm. in religion. She believed in you know her job, uh, the country you know, uh, the government, right? And she was very compliant yeah. as a person. Right? Okay. Uh, and even when she thought that something doesn't make sense, because it is a rule, she would just comply. Right? right. Yeah. So what I learned from her was, you know, uh, you know, just that sheer grit in terms of, you know, putting your head down and just getting the work done. Right. Um, so today we are, um, at least urban India is a very different India. Um, mm. uh, if you go into the 1990s, uh, I think uh, we were the fortune, uh, fortunate generation where we were able to, you know, grow in an India where constraints were being removed. Right. Sure. I think people who were born 10 years, 20 years earlier than us, you know, had to go through that world where uh, maybe a telephone line would take three years. Uh, yes. You know, uh, the only car you could ever have was an ambassador. Um, and Doordarshan was all that was there, right, on TV. Uh, so that was the world before us, right? And uh, my parents came from that world. Um, and uh, as a result of which, you know, my mom, uh, you know, what I saw her was that, you know, her ability to deal with whatever shit life gave her, right, and just keep moving. 
um True. so very like i said very different personalities but i think uh, uh very key influences as well so i'm going to ask you a question here out of 100 what percentage of you is a rebel and what percentage of you is compliant <laughs> yeah so i think by nature i am a rebel ah uh, right. that's like uh, you're owning it up front yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh, you know however if if a group of people have to get anything done right uh, i also believe in the power of the team right uh, it's right. not really about you as an individual being able to achieve anything in fact you really can't do anything on your own true right? uh, so uh, you know you need you need rules and ways of doing things right uh, uh, so that people can align and work together and create a common outcome right for me right. however you know the rule can't be dogma right it can't be where the rule is all that matters and the ground reality is changed right maybe tomorrow reality changes and therefore the rule changes right but you still True. need rules for people to work together right so it's it's a bit of a conflict you know on one side you you need rules but the other side you keep questioning whether those rules are still relevant True, true. That's true. Yeah. So, John, uh, this I would like to ask you this, um, particularly because today you have we have a lot of reality shows, right? There is Shark Tank, there is Silicon Valley. They're all revolving around the startup world. Uh, you also have uh, OTT. You also have the digital world. But today you can uh, dive into a startup founder's life. There is an expectation that one has that inspires one to go down this route. and there is hard reality that the founder deals with every day in your journey was there how much was it close to the expectation you had and how much was a mismatch yeah in my journey uh, i think personally i uh, didn't have much of a mismatch between expectation and reality uh-huh. uh, yeah so uh, because like i told you when when i started up uh, you know this really wasn't glamorous Hmm. right and uh, we didn't start off with uh, a lot of capital and you know a lot of money to you know really invest heavily in different areas right so we we bootstrapped up our way right uh, so we knew that you know that it's, it's really up to us to make things happen right? um so i don't think there was a big big mismatch uh, per se mm-hmm. in terms of expectation or reality however i think you know uh let's understand what what reality as an entrepreneur really is right mm-hmm. one is in terms of <clears throat> you know you being your own boss uh you know which is good to know right and good to feel uh, but again you know you are also the last person standing right so when uh, shit hits the fan you know you are the fan right so that's that's how it is right so that you know being uh any entrepreneur has to accept that reality because you know there is no one else to turn and look look and say hey you know what why don't you solve the problem for me right right uh, most problems by the time they have come to you it's it's because someone else has not been able to solve it or this the other person would have solved it your team would have solved it for you hmm. right so you you have to just take it on your chin and keep keep moving right um uh, uh there is sometimes that feeling of hey you know what there's nothing to stop me or prevent me from doing something uh but at the same time you know you also have to say that you know that i take responsibility for making something happen 
right mm-hmm. and there may not be a template or a pathway to making something happen uh, so uh, you may not know uh, it's not something that you can learn from someone else many times you have to figure out things on your own a lot of there's no one to tell you what to do right there's no one to tell you whether what you're doing uh, uh makes sense doesn't make any sense is the best thing that you could have done were there better things that you could have done you know you don't have most of that you know any of the time right and that's typically where uh, uh most of us otherwise would rely on our managers and leaders right it's an as an entrepreneur sure. you don't really do that a lot uh, you do have mentors where you keep taking advice once in a while uh, but again uh, you have to kind of factor in for how your scenarios may be different from what your mentor uh, is thinking of when they're giving advice right so a uh, mentors may give great advice which may not be applicable to you at all right and you can't blame the mentor saying you know that advice didn't make sense right it's you who are to own the own the acceptance of that advice and the implementation for that advice right uh, one big thing uh, you know in terms of learning is you know the difference between doing hard work versus being able to create value for you know someone else right so it's right. Uh, you know while of course it is hard work it's not really hard work that gives you you know the growth of a company right it's your ability to create value for your customers so yeah. knowing what is value for your customers knowing how many customers are there who need that right and pricing that value and making money on that that's a very different skill from just saying you know what i'm going to put a lot of hard work right, right. that becomes a big challenge for entrepreneurs right because you already know that there's never a shortage of work to be done you know there's always something that you have to do which you haven't done which needs to be done but just doing a lot of that need not mean that your business will grow right right uh, so this is a very inside out uh, versus an outside in approach in terms of way of right uh and for a lot of people that becomes a big challenge because you know uh, when you are uh, making decisions for your customer you may fall into the trap of thinking that you know the way you're thinking is the way the customer thinks mm. uh, right and many times that's absolutely not true right mm. your reality and your world view and your way of life and your needs and pain points are very rarely the customers right their personality their needs their challenges are very different right so your ability mm. to empathize with the customer and create uh, a solution for them in their lives you know uh, and your ability to do that for a large enough market right? mm. that is what will set you apart um and this is a very different skill to learn mm. it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of iterations you keep launching products some of them succeed some of them don't succeed uh you look at what succeeded and why it succeeded you introspect you look at what failed and realize why it failed why no one really took it right and mm. the learning is slow it doesn't happen very quickly right yeah so that becomes a very uh, very big aspect of expectation versus reality right because you think that you know hey i'm going to do this and then this is what is going to happen in the market uh and wow we hit jackpot and it just doesn't happen right so yeah did you ever in all the years as an entrepreneur 
want to throw in the towel and be like i'm done i don't want to do this anymore or did you ever go through those periods of immense frustration where you're like this is just too much yeah, so for me you know when i went in it was a one way street uh uh-huh. you know so there are like i said you know whenever it's not up it's down right? that's how it works <laughs> right. right so uh there have been lots of ups and lots of downs right um but uh what typically happens is you know when one door shuts some other door just opens right your job is that when a door uh, shuts you don't sit in front of the door and cry right you run and start looking for the next door so what i learned is you know that you just have to keep moving regardless of good or bad you know keep moving don't just get stuck and just stay there and be stagnant Right. right. Uh, so as long as you're moving, it's fine because you know, either you earn or you learn. Right. It's only one of these two. It's fine. You got something That's out of it. That's a very interesting one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, uh, for budding entrepreneurs, if I had to ask you, what are the five personality traits one should actually introspect and evaluate before they consider going down this road? What would those five be? Yes, I think the first one would be, you know, your willingness to take end-to-end ownership, right? Um, uh, so, you know, uh, and this is very tricky when it comes to having multiple co-founders, right? Because, ah. you know, uh, if you are a sole uh, entrepreneur and you only have a team, you anyway know that you are the last last person standing. uh but if you have co-founders you know many times you have that expectation that you know you will take care of x and someone else will take care of y someone else will take care of z right and uh there need not necessarily be alignment in that right, right. so i think it's a good practice uh, you know if you're having a co-founder to sit down and start off with you know who is going to take end to end ownership right when uh so i think that decision is very important and that's not an easy decision right because in all our lives there is something that we just don't want to deal with we would rather than someone else takes care of it for us right but i think this is a very important uh, trait if you want to succeed as an entrepreneur no matter what uh, regardless of who your co-founders are you need to do this so that's number mm. one number two is uh the whole aspect of emotional balance resilience calmness you know uh you may have because you know like i said right if it's not up it's down and if it's not down it's up so you're always on a high or a low uh so you if you react emotionally to every high or low then that's all you have time for and it gets extremely challenging right Uh, so you need to learn to distance yourself from what is happening around you mm-hmm. right and, you know uh, be passionate but at the same time be indifferent as well right so, so it's not that's easy. interesting that's not even yeah. true yeah so how do you manage both that when you when you so one of the things i learned is you know plan plan dispassionately execute passionately right and again review dispassionately Wow, that's interesting and tricky at the same time. Yeah. So many times, what happens is when we are planning, we get carried away, and then 
you know we make plans that sound amazing and we are in love with our own plan uh, but when we go to execute shit is going to hit the fan right and then mm-hmm. we lose our energy and focus and then the execution becomes very average right and then when we mm-hmm. review we get very emotional and you know uh, there are tempers and there are emotions flying all around right mm-hmm. so this is typically what happens and what you actually have to do is exactly the opposite right when you plan you know zoom out take a dispassionate view look at it from a outside in perspective where you know it's not you who is you know uh, it's it's really about the business as a whole right and whether this can happen right look at it from a third point party point of view right look at it like a critic uh when you execute again get in the action throw in everything to make it work right uh but then again don't get carried away by uh the, of course it's very natural to have that high or low feeling if something is worked or not right but maybe indulge in that for a very <clears throat> brief while and then again zoom out right and then again when you review review very dispassionately and uh you know uh look at again ha- apply critical thinking right in terms of why that worked and why that did not work right so uh, this is where emotional balance and calmness mm-hmm. plays a big role right mm-hmm. so you have to train you have to really train yourself to be calm so there are going to be all sort of situations that happen every day around you right uh you know some big customer will uh you know go back on the contract someone else say someone else will promise to pay they haven't paid right mm-hmm. your, your star performer will say you know what i'm quitting and i'm moving on right uh, your co-founder will not deliver what you thought they will deliver right uh, your family is screaming at you so you know you are going to be going going through all of that right what happens what i have seen is that if you are calm you know that is that calmness then uh you know uh the calmness impacts people around you and makes them also calm right that's Yeah so I think that becomes extreme so this is probably a very very important thing that I have learned you know as a person you know because of the whole rebel aspect you know I uh, would not be described as someone who's a calm person right I would be described as someone who's a passionate and energetic person right but I've realized that this is extremely important right keep an even even tone even balance right uh, just you know j- just stay calm right I think that becomes very 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 important one more personality mm-hmm. trait is that of resilience which is about you know again you know if things go down you know like i said right let's say three doors in front of you are shut mm-hmm. right you have the resilience to brush it off and run for the fourth door mm-hmm. right i think that becomes very difficult because you start questioning yourself right and you start seeing yourself as a thing right yes and having um, the maturity to just step out and say you know it's not you who failed it's what you tried to do that failed so it's fine brush it off and move on go to the next thing right right and that's where the quality of resilience uh, and grit helps right uh, yet another thing is curiosity mm-hmm. uh, looking at the world around you understanding what's happening around the world right the people who uh have built you know a lot of the first time entrepreneurs who have built very large businesses 
got there because they learned a lot of things around them which they didn't know when they started off they kept their right. eyes and ears open they observed what is happening around them and then they learned them right and they had a hypothesis about the world which someone else didn't see and then they executed on that hypothesis right and that is how they built that big business right uh so wherever you go try and keep your eyes and ears little open absorb things around you at the same time of course you know uh don't lose that focus and balance on your own business so again this is difficult to do because on one hand mm. you have to absorb and empathize and connect with things around on the other hand you have to stay right. calm and focused. like this is again not not very easy to do you need a few right. uh, for me this takes a few years of practice to get there right being curious and calm at the same time right and being a uh, passionate and dispassionate at the same time right it becomes a little tricky yeah that's definitely and, not easy yeah that yeah. needs practice yeah and the final thing is you know your ability to be uh you know uh street smart right a book smart is one thing but i think street smart is really uh what makes a difference right sizing scenarios around you uh quickly gauging what's happening around you quickly and then taking quick decisions right that is street smarts right so uh and sometimes what happens is you know when we become too compliant as people street smarts gets impacted right because right. you are looking you are looking for what is a rule that i should be following over here rather than what should i be doing over here right? yes so uh, and that's also a challenge with the education system right it grooms you into thinking it it teaches you all the quote and quote rules of the game right for every field every subject right so you end up after maybe so many years of education as a person who uh, has been you know trained to think uh, and look for rules around right uh, are you also so you know i would say this is uh, the education system trains you to have what i call convergent thinking right mm. urgent thinking is about knowing the solution to a problem knowing what works knowing mm. what is right uh, right but you also equally need to develop divergent thinking right uh-huh. uh at the same uh, problem from a completely different angle right or uh, think this is not the problem maybe something else is the problem mm. right and and not accepting status quo right thinking through first principles uh looking at something completely from scratch and fresh right i think those skills are not really taught much right uh, in fact if someone tries to do it you know you, they will find a lot of resistance from people around you because people right. around you typically want you to conform to their way of thinking right right so uh, while of course there are rules uh, that you should not break for sure right you also have to think critically and be street smart and figure out what what is it that what is a creative play you have what can you disrupt what can you do differently uh so and that becomes a very very important uh, personality trait right and now right. before we move on i want to qualify uh something here you know especially being from the speed of uh, from the space of talent management talent development uh-huh. right i think Uh, when we say when we use the word personality trait people tend to think of it as something that you uh that you are born with or 
that's some something that you are and you can't change it it's not true right uh-huh. uh, right these are all fungible these are all traits which a person can move up and down on a continuum right so even if you you don't think that hey you know what i am a person who does not have uh, or i am a person who is not calm right right over a period of time you can train yourself to be calm right, right? Uh, over a period of time you can train yourself to be more resilient be more curious be more street smart a uh, lot of us sometimes ends up you know a lot of us end up like no no this is not for me i can't do this it's not true you you can do it right you just need to want to do it enough and you need to go through that journey you need to go through the process of changing and shifting who you are how you are so i just want to clarify that none of these traits are you know where someone was born that way and or someone is just that way and i can't be that person it doesn't work that way that's actually very interesting because those are myths which still exist today that you know if you're an introvert you can never become an extrovert if you are you oh. know a, a very restless then calm will be a long way from where you are today so it's interesting to know that you can actually cultivate these traits that probably will make oh. an interesting topic for a podcast we'll get that at some get that at some point Yeah. But John, it's interesting that they often say that an individual is the sum of their experiences. You've had a long journey from being an IIM student to today, you know, being a co-founder of a very well-established company. Tell us how did your life change? What shaped your life through this journey? So maybe I can talk about a few anecdotes along the way. I think it's a like you rightly Absolutely. said, it's a long it's a long journey and every day has something new. right but maybe if i want to pick up a few key learnings uh-huh. uh, yeah, i think uh, uh i think uh, maybe some of the highlights low lights uh, we could talk about that right so the first i think the first uh, highlight in our journey was when we were able to make a first sale uh, right, right. Uh, so nothing nothing is as proof of the putting as having that first customer putting money on the table for your product right so we had made made our first simulation uh, my co-founders and me right so we all took different parts of simulation one one person took up modeling one person took up the back end database uh, i took up the front end database right and uh, we actually lived in a way where you know uh, i was actually sitting and uh, making the front end or the ux of the simulation at night and uh, day uh, during the day i was picking the phone and calling customers right uh-huh. so we had invited a lot of companies to send uh, their uh, vice presidents and senior vice presidents to uh, one of our simulation workshops the first simulation workshop we held uh, uh-huh. and uh, we had partnered with one of our uh, uh, b school festivals uh, to launch the simulation workshop right so and we we told the b school uh, organizing team that uh you know we let you have a simulation for your uh, own festival for free right but let us partner with you let's also conduct our event as part of your beach pool festival and uh, somewhere the value prop of you know a simulation uh, with you know uh, uh you know uh, the chance to come to the iim campus at that point in time resonated a lot with uh, decision makers of different companies so they they ended up sending a lot of people to our first workshop uh-huh. in fact we got uh, we had only 30 seats and we actually got more than 100 nominations right oh wow 
Yeah. Uh, and we had priced it at a steal right so we had priced it at about 10000 rupees per seat and that uh-huh. 10000 rupees included 3 uh, days of stay on iim campus uh and uh, we put people in twin sharing right yeah <laughs> yeah right so because we were like let's let's kind of give great value right and suddenly you had all these people coming from different campuses who were like literally forced to share a blanket uh overnight and then come and sit in our simulation workshop and run a business in the simulation the next day right and they did that for 3 days uh right so obviously they weren't like too kicked about having to share a blanket with you know a teammate uh, on the campus but uh, i think you know what really worked was you know i think for 10000 bucks having that 3 day program uh, by n paradigm uh, you know was a steal for them right and that was very clear Uh, and uh, we ended up doing our we the next workshop we did we we doubled our price and we oh, went wow. back to the same customer right and uh, i still remember we had the head of hr of adani wilmar uh, his name was uh, dr sabbir sindhu he was also an ima alumnus by the way uh-huh. i called him back and said uh, uh, sabbir sir you know you're doing the workshop again you know your people really like the the experience why don't you send more people and yes so yes okay i'll do and said by the way the price is doubled right <laughs> and as a customer he uh, you know i think it could also be because he was maybe a senior alumnus so uh, there was a bit of that empathy for uh, someone who was trying to start a business at that point in time so he said uh, john i am uh, happy to look at your see your confidence right you you're confident about your product and that's why you've doubled your price i'll send more people right oh wow yeah so i think these are experiences that you typically would not have uh, while you're you know selling to customers right so we are lucky to have a few of these experiences very early on so we know that the product had value the customer was ready to pay double the next time right uh, and i think that's very important to know uh, getting that sense of how much value are you creating for the customer right Uh, the other anecdote that i would want to give was the importance of uh, positioning uh-huh. right uh, so we after a few years we hadn't really built much of a brand as such mm-hmm. we were very good at uh, going meeting customers calling customers you know building simulations getting those simulations delivered for the client we were very good at that but we hadn't invested much in marketing our marketing spends were like a few lakhs a year right but then we found mm. one of our competitors investing very heavily in marketing so they used to go for these big conclaves you know certain big stalls and uh, you know we could see after a couple of years how that game got mileage for them because uh, we found our products were actually better but customers mm-hmm. knew them much better they knew them much more mm-hmm. right and then we realized that we had completely missed the bus on this mm-hmm. so we were uh, making decent money we were quite profitable but we missed the bus on marketing right so we realized that now let us also start investing uh, in marketing the right way right uh, and invest in positioning ourselves as a brand properly right right uh, so what your customer thinks of you as a brand is really about how you position your brand to them right uh, if you're going to be posi- if you're going to be positioning yourself as an up- upstart startup you know they are going to see it see it that way if you're going to be positioning yourself as a premium vendor 
for global companies you know somewhere is going to rub off on your customer right um so or if you're going to be positioning yourself as a you know hey we give great value for money to you right then you mm. attract those kind of customers right so you have to think through how you want to post i think one of the challenges for most founders is that we really don't understand this well enough right how do you position right and i think a great business is all about how sharply you position it right and what does the customer think of when they think about it mm. right so i think that is number 2 uh importance of thinking whole brain i think we have spoken about this in a past podcast uh, but Absolutely. how do you how do you think uh you know how do you think you know how are you able to empathize how are you able to think creatively at the same time how are you able to think analytically logically right uh, practically so these are all different types of thinking right uh, a lot of people end up thinking either creatively uh, alone or analytically along alone but they don't bring it together right so right uh, finding so i think one of the big insights for me along the way was finding talent who has a uh, whole brain thinking right so many right. times you know when we hire you know we i like combinations where the person has done uh, an engineering undergrad and then something creative postgrad or maybe hmm. in some other way right i like those kind of combinations because the person has also gone through some left brain groom you know left brain kind of a you know education and some right brain kind of an education so you, you need mm-hmm. people who gone through not only man engineering math science kind of education but also people who gone through arts uh, marketing uh, anything creative right uh, kind of a background right so that's that's again uh, i think this is i have found very important and we try and find talent who are able to think whole brain uh, i think probably one of my biggest experiences as an entrepreneur was when uh, covid hit uh in terms of how that shaped us right so we oh, had yeah. actually planned we had planned for uh you know uh we had planned a cash flow we were going to get funded and we had planned for cash flows in a way that uh, when uh in we would get uh, a vc money in april 2020 uh-huh. right? and uh, all the processes leading up to that were happening parallelly mm-hmm. right and we were actually about to run out of money in april 2020 as a company right oh yeah so because we were burning cash at that point in time we had two businesses we were trying to make both of them run uh, and that is a lot of investment mm-hmm. uh, and our fate would have it you know february 2020 the world started changing uh, in march the lockdown came yeah uh, and we had signed a term sheet and sent it back to our investor but you know after we did that the lockdown came in. right and then you know you, you have to now wait because no one knows now what's going to happen to the world right so and we were staring at a scenario where uh, we are supposed to be running out of cash the month after uh, all the work that we already uh, done for customers the customers not going to pay right no new business is going to come in for the next month or two uh, and we had almost an emi of 3 million at that point in time every month right Uh, oh my god yeah so it was a very tricky situation uh and we like okay now what are we going to do right we don't really know what we are going to do because and none of us have experienced such a sudden swing in the you know the way the world works right uh so we ended up going 
thankfully the government uh, brought in a moratorium right uh, mm. and they extended that moratorium for about 6 months so we didn't have to pay pay those loans if we had to pay the loans we would have gone bust then so that didn't happen mm. instead of that we were able to get a moratorium and the government actually allowed us to take more loans that is number 1 uh we went back to our employees and we told them guys this is a scenario uh and of course everyone understood because everyone was going through a shared experience right yeah so we deferred we deferred some salaries uh we had to let some people go that we had just hired at that point in time right uh right. so we didn't have a choice otherwise the whole company would have gone bust so we had to let some people go uh we had to convert some salaries to equity uh so we told those people so what we did decided is we will not cut salaries unlike a lot of other companies we said we'll make sure that mm-hmm. everyone gets money's worth but the way they get it is going to be different right so some people got salaries in equity uh we deferred a lot of other salaries for about 9 months to a year right and founders mm-hmm. uh, took a 50% cut for a few months uh the moratorium had come in Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully uh, the vc money that we were supposed to get came in by about july uh, that year right so that gave us some more runway uh, and we called up all our vendors and requested them for support uh, you know and a lot of them are, uh, you know so thankfully a lot of our vendors were well to do people right mm-hmm. so because mm-hmm. they were well to do and they were in taking of cash crunch of their own they understood and they they agreed to a delay of about 3 4 months in payment right right and we called up a lot of our customers and then you know so we uh, told them guys this is the time to go digital right right because uh, you know uh, your earlier way of learning and development is not going to work now anyway no one is meeting each other right and we right. are a digital company right we are a digital platform come digital with us right so right. we literally used to track that every day right where we would have a list of say 50 100 companies that we would be calling and we would tell them go digital go digital go digital right and for the first couple of months we didn't see much traction by the third month that is by about june 2020 is when we actually started seeing customers saying okay we will go digital right, right. Um, and uh, you know uh, it is god's grace sheer luck you know we got impacted only for one quarter right Uh, so by quarter mm-hmm. 2 our business actually came back to normal and in fact one of our oh, businesses wow. which was uh, digital sales enablement that business actually uh, started growing it actually grew uh, quite fast that year. it grew almost three times nice. right uh, whereas the simulations and learning experience business it was able to somehow keep sustaining right so uh, my biggest learning from that is you know that it doesn't matter the world might have turned upside down right but come back you know and again uh, stick to the calm mind right uh, like i said plan again dispassionately execute passionately review dispassionately yes. so this is what i learned there at that point in time as well right that even if the world is completely gone upside down you know uh, keep your balance and keep moving and somewhere somehow things will play out play out right Yeah. I think that was a great experience. It really built uh, inner courage for us as founders, right? That mm-hmm. if we can survive this, then we can survive anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think in a, in hindsight, uh, that was a an experience that really built strength for us as founders. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and made a big difference to our confidence on what we can do right and i think the thinking was right. if we can go through we can go through anything right? sure yeah so i think these are some of the anecdotes i thought i could share with you oh i mean i think uh, my immediate question would be how did you stay calm during those absolute sleepless nights your monitoring was very high it's not an easy number so what is what do you do to keep calm and how do you keep calm is there anything you follow yeah so talk to uh, talk to investors who are already there at that point in time take support from them uh, mm-hmm. you know talk to uh, your peers around you know mm-hmm. in fact covid was a, was a great time to reconnect with childhood friends yeah great time to re- reconnect with school people in school whom you hadn't talked to for years right yeah. so i think uh, just doing that uh, connecting with people i think i think that's what everyone was doing right at that time right yeah. yes absolutely locked up and locked up in your own home you all all have bad news all around you yeah uh, you know just uh, talk to people right and find out what is happening look at their experiences take support from people around you Uh, yes yeah so it, i so i was in mumbai uh, during the first lockdown and you know uh, we we had five people in the house me and my wife two children and a maid and you know we were in a scenario where uh, you know we didn't even have adequate furniture for all five of us to be at home right uh, right and not enough space right because mumbai homes are small Uh, and my wife would get into one bedroom and work i would get into another bedroom and work and my children and the maid would be in the hall right, right. Uh, and they would be there all day uh, and we we actually needed a, a second table so that all of us could you know all four of us could actually sit and do our stuff but you couldn't buy a table because there's there are no shops right uh, correct so we, you just go through that phase right and you just keep moving right uh, today some of this looks very trivial at that point in time of course it it sure. felt very different right uh, and uh, i think everyone was so so worried about getting infected there were no vaccines sure. right and you also worried about infecting your family your children um, so if you can go through that then i think you know in, in, none of this is a problem right yeah in uh, anything that can come after can only be better you were anyways at ground zero this is true very true yeah. so where do you see yourself next where is john the entrepreneur going to go next what's on the agenda so the company you know what we've been able to build uh, at end paradigm is we've been able to build a business which has been able to crack a lot of global logos uh, whether it be companies right. like google amazon png society generale Uh, so we've had a lot of big global corporates who we worked with in the past right and a lot of those logos were cracked uh, just from india uh-huh. right? and mainly because they all really like using simulations as a product and we understand that our product has got a good uh, global product market fit uh, right yeah so uh, last year we put an international sales team uh, in apac in europe as well and we are currently hitting the top 5000 companies globally uh, wow. this year i am i am traveling in, in a lot of geographies uh, understanding customer needs uh, you know trying to get business 
setting up international subsidiaries right? so that's what uh, is happening at the moment right and we believe that now uh, you know the foundations are strong and uh, we can truly uh, be a global business not only from a product and delivery standpoint but also from a sales and marketing standpoint right and that's that's really the path that we are on currently that sounds very interesting john in fact for me the biggest takeaway from our interaction today is uh, how to be dispassionate while being passionate i had never heard that before i think that's a very interesting insight uh, for how a founder thinks and uh, you know it's very interesting to also see how one can apply it in the day to day living because sometimes your emotions get the better of you and you lose the larger picture and sometimes you've got to see the finer picture without being emotional about it i think it all comes together there so it was hard work passion resilience uh sheer grit persuasion i think your journey has it all and you're yeah, thank passionate, you, yes. so i can't wait to see where you go next thank you so much for your time and i can't wait to come back and record the next episode with you very soon thank you thank you richard it was great talking to you thank you so much john